Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about... Sir Richard Owen, a Wikipedia reading. So he's um, sort of a character which is not invisible to school science. In school science you have Darwin, and there's a little few bits of stories about Darwin. Then in the background you have this mysterious Huxley, who's really the magician that brought science into the age where it was. They invented the scientists, and then he invented the profession of science, I suppose, um, and the position of science as a pursuit besides religion. And uh, you need a foil, a Darwin foil. You have this Owen in the background. It's almost like uh, Darwin's radio. Uh, Richard Owen is the person pitted against Darwin. So uh, if you like, um, you still have the medieval um, Renaissance idea of a scientist and his and his competitor that he's fighting against. You know, there's always someone on the other side. And there's this theatre. And so for the theatre... It's almost like world championship wrestling that the Victorians were involved in, this sort of um, evolution versus the church, this great, great debate, this great thing. It's no longer in our world so much. We, you know, we ha- I suppose we have um, uh, Greenpeace versus the oil companies. We, we do have these great conflicts here. And so Owen uh, is similar to world championship um, wrestling where you have... Um, I don't know, Muscles McGurk or the, the Grave Digger. Uh, they've got caricatures and uh, people um, read a caricature and put it forward. It's a bit, m- bit more complicated than this. So I'm going to read about Richard. Sir Richard Owen. 20th July, uh, 1804 to 18th of December, 1892. I suppose there's something that few listeners to read do you know your birthday? But people will know your death date. There's going to be a day in which you die. So I suppose it's a horrible thing to say. Was an English biologist, comparative anatomist, and paleontologist. So, essentially, um, we, I suppose we don't have comparative anatomists. It is um, basically what is two dissections side by side telling us what what can we conclude and that's comparative anatomist. Despite being a controversial figure Owen is generally considered to be an outstanding naturalist with a remarkable gift for interpreting fossils. Hmm. So he's the people that you hate but he has to he's got to be the good scientist which starts off good and then turns bad similarly to um, the the background of many of the uh, Marvel stories, um, you have someone with conflict and they turn to good, conflict and they turn to, to evil. Owen produced a vast array of scientific work, but is probably best remembered today for coining the word dinosauria, meaning terrible reptile or fearful great reptile. An outspoken cricket of Charles Darwin's theory of evolution by natural selection. Owen agreed with Darwin that evolution occurred, but thought it was more complex than uh, outlined in Darwin's on origin of, of species. So, this is a bit of a complex. Owen's approach to evolution can be seen as having anticipated the issues that have gained greater attention with recent emergence of evolutionary development biology. Owen was the first president of the Microscopial 
uh, Scopule Society of London in 1839 and edited many issues of its journal, then known as the Microscopic Journal. Uh, Owen also campaigned for the natural specimens in the British Museum to be given a new home. This resulted in the establishment of the now world-famous Natural History Museum in, in, South, um, in South Kensington, London. Bill Bryson argues that uh, by making Natural History Museum an institution for everyone, Owen transformed our expectation of what museums are for. And it's pretty interesting. Um, the mark and building museums and the um, the idea of botanic gardens being a uh, a resource for the really rich in poor times. Again, that, that you could, if they discovered a herbal remedy, they could... It's sort of this medieval idea or... The idea of a zoology place is where you, uh, as you king, you're master of all the animals, and the animals have a mystical meaning, and then you can have actually sort of a mystical rite with live animals. The belief that animals were spiritual beings, so to actually keep them in a zoo, so to speak, uh, was part of the power of the king. So uh, they might keep a unicorn, they might keep such and such. Somewhere there, there's that myst mystic coming through. While he made several contributions to science and public learning, Owen is a controversial figure among his contemporaries, such as Thomas Henry Huxley. His later career was tainted by controversies, many of which involved accusations that he took credit for other people's work. Which you've got to actually say um, that, it, that is a quintessential flaw of a scientist who's sort of lost touch with nature and with stories. Whether they do it, I think they had, there's obviously cases of them doing it deliberately, but they can self-talk themselves into a world in which they can take someone else's work. Biography. Owen was born in Lancaster in 1804, one of six children in West Indian merchant um, Richard Owen, um, who died in 1809. His mother, Catherine Longworth, a Patsney Parron, um, was descended from the Huguenots and was educated in Lancaster Royal Grammar School. So this is an important thing, that um, uh, Mendeleev, all these people, their, their mother's education and process is important. And um, I was trying to think who... I was really trying to think of the person. Oh, yes. Um, the Maxwell, the positive reinforcement of the church and history, their, their approach into whether they're supporting an establishment or against an establishment is, is very interesting. I wish I could... Gee, my memory hurts me. Um, in 1820, he apprenticed to the local surgeon and apothecary. And so the surgeon and the surgeon cut people open, but the hypocrisy had to get herbs. Now, this is an age before effective drugs, so there was this mystique of various things. Uh, in 1824, he proceeded as a medical student to the University of Edinburgh. He left the university the following year and completed his medical course at St. Bartholomew's Hospital, London, where he came under the influence of an emergent surgeon, so, uh, uh, John Apathony. In July 
1835, Owen married Caron Amelia Clift in St. Pancras, by whom he, he had one son, William Owen. He outlived both his wife and son. His death in 1892, he was survived by three grandchildren, a daughter-in-law, Emily Owen, to whom he left as much of his £33,000 fortune. Upon completing his education, he accepted the position of assistant of William Clift. So, the person that he was going to marry, or I think, Conservative Museum at the College of Surgeons, uh, on the suggestion of Lathomby. This occupation led him to abandon medical practice in favour of scientific research. He prepared a series of catalogues of the Hunterian collection in the Royal College of Surgeons and, in the course of his works, acquired a knowledge of comparative anatomy that facilitated his research on the remains of extinct animals. In 1836, Owen was appointed the Hunterian professor. Now, believe you me, that they, when they saw dinosaurs, they thought that they must be some part of the earth, that they must be alive and they're no longer here. The, the idea of extinction was in them. Um, Owen was appointed um, Hunterian Professor in the Royal College of Surgeons and in 1849 he succeeded Clift as a conservator. He later held that office until 1856 when he became Superintendent of Natural History Department in the British Museum. He devoted much of his energies to the great scheme of the Natural Museum, uh, to a great scheme of a National Museum of Natural History which eventually resulted in the removal of the natural history collections from the British Museum to a new building in South Kensington. The British Museum, Natural History, now the Natural History Museum, retained, uh, he retained office until completion of his work in December 1883, when he was made Knight of the Order of the Bath. He lived quietly in retirement in Sheen Lodge, Richmond Park, until his death in 1892. Well, generally most people live until they die. I don't know, that's a thing that they do. Some people are a bit more stupid, they die before their actual death date. His career was tainted by accusations that he failed to give credit to the work of others and even tried to appropriate it in his own name. This came to a head in 1846 when he was awarded the Royal Medal for a paper he'd written on Bellamites and failed to acknowledge that the Bellamite had been discovered by Channing Pierce, an amateur biologist, four years earlier. As a result of ensuing uh, scandal, he voted off the Council of Zoological Society and the Royal Society, which is sort of a thing. And, and it is interesting that people can think of their work as independent science or in relation to being a society and stuff like that. So you can get Acknowledgement there, but uh, it's pretty amazing. Owen tended to support orthodox men of science and status quo. The royal family presented him with a cottage in Richmond Park, and Robert Peel put him on the civil list. In 1843, he was selected as a foreign member of the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences. In 1844, he became an associate member of the Royal Institute of Netherlands. When this institute became the Royal Netherlands Academy of Arts and Science, uh, he joined as a foreign member. He died at his home on 15th December uh, 1892 and is buried in the churchyard of Ham near Richmond, Surrey. Oh, that's very interesting. He has got the most. He looks probably as ugly as I do. I, 
I, I look extremely ugly. I'm surprised people say I, I don't look ugly. Work on invertebrate. So Huxley did invertebrates by um, getting on a, um, the, the rattlesnake. He occupied, he, while occupied with cataloging the tearing collection, Owen did not confine his attention to the preparation before him, but also seized every opportunity to dissect fresh subjects. He was allowed to examine all animals that had died in the London Zoo, Zoological Gardens, and when the zoo began to publish scientific proceedings in 1831, he was the most prolific contributor of anatomical papers. His first notable publication, however, was a, mo a memoir on the pearly Nautilus, uh, which was recognised as a classic. Henceforth, he continued to make important contributions to every department of comparative anatomy and zoology for a period of over 50 years. So, it's interesting that the zoological thing was, and it's a statement of a state's power. It's still today, I have a zoo, and I have all these animals from different lands. It's sort of a statement of a state's power. So you wouldn't expect a zoo to be kept by a Timpot place. Um, in the sponges um, department of comparative anatomy and zoology um, Owen was first uh, to describe the now well known Venus flower basket or Epulata among the endozoa he was most notably discovering of the trichinus spiralis the parasite infesting the muscles of man in the disease now termed of um, trichinosis. Also have a Saint uh, um, James Padgett. So that's, I like the, um, the guinea worm, and so this is a new word. Will I remember it? No, I'd love to. Uh, of the Brachiopoda, he made very special studies, which much advanced knowledge and subtle classification that's long uh, has been accepted. Among mollusca, he described not only the pearly nautilus but also the spula and the cephalopoda, both uh, living and extinct, in which he, who was proposed a universally accepted subdivision in classes into two orders, Dibranchia and Tetrabranchia. Owen named the Protochinites the oldest footprints found on land. Applying his knowledge of anatomy, he correctly postulated that these Cambrian trackways were made by extinct type of anthropod. He did more. He did this more than 150 years before any fossils of the animals were found. I only envisioned a resemblance of an animal to a living anthropod, uh, Limos, uh, which was the subject of special memoir he wrote in 1873. So you can imagine the joy of seeing something. And you have a picture, and it's just a blank sheet beside it. Fish, reptiles, birds, and the naming of dinosaurs. Owen's technical descriptions of the vertebrate were still more numerous and expensive than those of the invertebrate animals. His comparative anatomy and physiology of vertebrates, three volumes London, was indeed the result of more personal research than any similar work since George Cuvier's Le Con Comparing. So. George Coulvier's is the person who looked at it and came up with the idea that things are not evolving, there's no evolution, but we have the situation that God says, gee, we're fucked up. You, you, you're dead. You, you, evolve. Oh, we need a few more animals and just, 
creation is an ongoing idea. Um, uh, he not only studied existing forms, but also devoted great attention to the remains of extinct groups, and followed Culliver and pioneered vertebrate paleontology. In his early career, he made exhaustive studies of teeth of existing extinct animals and published his profusely illustrated work in orthodontography. He discovered and described the remarkable complex structure of teeth of extinct animals, which he's named the Labyrinthodonta. So these people, if you can imagine, they have big, complex teeth. They're sort of like huge munching pounds. Among his writing on fish, his more on the African lungfish, which he named Protoperterus, laid the foundations um, uh, for the recognition of the depod of James Muller. He later pointed out serial connections between Telesin and Ganoid fish, grouping them as one subclass, the Telesami. Most of his work on reptiles related to the skeletons of extinct forms, and his chief remains on the British specimens were reprinted in a collected series, History of British Foss, Fossil Reptiles. He published the first important general account of a great group of metazoic land reptiles, and he coined the name Dinosauria, means terrible lizard. Owen used three genera to define the dinosaurs, the Carnivorous, Megalosaurus, the Herbivorous, Iguanodon, and the Armored Hyathus specimens. Now, I will have to go back and research dinosaurs again. Gee, my brain's a bit of sieve, isn't it? Uncovered in southern England, he also first recognised the curious early Mesozoic synapsids with affinities uh, both to amphibian and mammals, which he termed amodinta, mammal-like synapsids. Most of these were obtained from South Africa in beginning in 1845, and eventually furnished materials for his catalogue of fossil replica of South Africa, issued by the British Museum in 1876. Among his writings on birds, his classical memoir on the Kiwi, a long series of papers on the extinct Diorlitha of New Zealand, other members of the the dodo, the great oak, may especially be mentioned. His monograph on the Athelizophyrex, which is the fossil bird, long-tailed toothed bird of the Vervarian lithographic stone, is also an epoch-making work. So he is there, but he didn't do, he did, he's obviously saying that there's evolution, but he's against something Darwin says. With Benjamin Walker, uh, Waterhouse Hawkins, Owen helped create the first life-size sculptures depicting dinosaurs as he thought they might have appeared. Some models were initially created for the Great Exhibition of 1851, but 33 were eventually produced by when the Crystal Palace was relocated to Sydney in South London. Owens famous, uh, famously hosted a dinner for 21 prominent men of science inside the hollow concrete Iguanodon uh, on New Year's Eve in 1853. Wow! Iguanodon. So, Iguanodon is this leopard, uh, this, uh, this um, dinosaur with a, um, a horn. It was on its nose, it was on its um, arms for cutting things out. Um, of which he was the discoverer. 
and not as heavy as the pachyderm like animal. As Owen was proposing about her slender forelimbs, uh, his death left him unable to participate in the creation of the Crystal Palace dinosaur sculptures. And so Owen's vision of dinosaurs came, became that seeing the public. He had nearly two dozen life-size sculptures of various prehistoric animals built out of concrete sculptured over steel and brick framework. Two guns one standing and one resting on its belly, were included. So he was the, basically the Walt Disney of um, Jurassic Park, that type of stuff. Isn't that beautiful? So this isn't hosted dinner. This is going to have a dinner. We're going to have a, a 21, it would be a bit, a bit, you imagine a Victorian dinner with a butler at the background. Let's have a dinner. What are we going to eat? I don't know. My famous, um, or I've got recipes for is um, Pinot's famous Italian meatballs. No one wants them around the world, universally shunned around the world. Some will eat his meatballs. Work on mammals. Owen was granted a right of first refusals on any freshly dead animal in London Zoo. His, wi his wife once arrived home to find a carcass of a newly diseased, deceased uh, rhinoceros. Uh, in her front hallway. Ah, oh, and oh, Richard, Richard, what, what's this in the hallway? It's a, it's a dead rhinoceros. Ah, oh, With regard to living animals, the more striking of Owen's contributions relate to monotremes, marsupials, and anthropods, apes. Well, he sent out a huge hunting party for for our monotremes. He was also the first to recognise the name of the two uh, groups of ungulate or odd-toed, and even-toed athrodicta, uh, while describing some fossil remains. In 1848, the most of his writings on animals, however, deal with distinct forms to which his attention seemed to have been first directed by the remarkable fossils, collected by Charles Darwin in South America. Toxodon, um, from the Pampas, were described and gave the earliest clear evidence that the extinct generalised hoofed animal, the pachyderm, uh, with affinities to Rhododenta, Edenta, and herbivorous creata. I don't understand that. Owen's interest in South American extinct animals then led to the recognition of a giant armadillo, which he named the Gaiopodon in 1839. Wouldn't this be a fantastic world to be involved? got these new things up and no one knew whatever what the fuck there's these huge concrete dinosaurs around the place Godzilla. the classic memoirs of the giant, giant ground sloths Mylodont um, and the Megatherum besides other important contributions Owen first described the false killer whale far out you'd be pissed off you're out there you're a proper Animal, right? Like this put an animal around. You've evolved and doing things, and someone comes up to you and says, "You're not a killer whale." If it's said, "Oh, it's not just an animal that's doing my own business," you're a false killer whale. Yuck! At the same time, S uh, Sir Thomas Mitchell's discovery of fossil bones in New South Wales provided material for Owen's first long series of papers on extinct mammals in Australia which were eventually printed in book form in 1877. He described the Diprothont and the Thaleso 
16 species of kangaroos and wombats of gigantic size. Yes, there was six meter tall dinosaur kangaroos. And could they just beat the stuffing out of you? Most fossil material found in Australia and New Zealand was initially sent to England for expert examination. And with the assistance of local collectors, Owen became the first authority in paleontology of the region. While occupied with so much material from abroad, Owen was busily collecting facts for exhaustive work on similar fossils in the Bajars. And in 1844 to 1846, he published the history of British fossil mammals and birds. Uh, which was followed by many later memoirs, notably his monograph. I love to produce a monograph on fossil mammalia and Mesozoic formations. One of his latest publications was a little work entitled Antiquity of Man, as deduced from the discovery of a human skeleton during the excavation of the docks of Tilbury. Look at that, isn't that great? Antiquity of Man. Owen, Darwin, and Theory of Evolution. So this is Owen, he's got, he's not a dumb person. He's an establishment person with a mum who's had a great education. Uh, following the voyage of the Beagle, Darwin had at his disposal a considerable collection of specimens and on the 29th of October 1936, he was introduced to Charles Lyle, um, by Charles Lyle to Owen, who agreed to work on fossil bones he collected in South America. Owen subsequent revelations that were extinct creatures uh, were rodents and sloths showed that they were related to the current species in the same locality, rather than being relatives of similarly sized creatures in Africa, as Darwin had originally thought. This was one of the many influences that led Darwin to later formulate his own ideas on the concept of natural selection. At the time, Owen Wright talked uh, of his theories influenced by Johannes Peter Muller, that living matter had an organized energy, a life force that directed the growth of tissues and uh, also determined the lifespan of the individual species. Darwin was resistant about his own thoughts, understandably, when in, eight, in 19th of December 1838, a secretary of the Geological Society of London, he saw Owen and his allies ridiculed the Lamarckian heresy um, of uh, Darwin's old tutor, Robert Edmund Grant. Edmund Grant. In 1841, uh, when the recently married Darwin was ill, Owen was one of the few scientific friends to visit. However, Owen's opposition to any hint of transmutation uh, made Darwin keep quiet about his hypothesis. She got married, get sick, and visited the bar bastard. Sometime during the 1840s, Owen came to the conclusion that species arise from the result of some sort of evolutionary process. He believed that there was a total of six possible mechanisms. Uh, pathogenesis, uh, prolonged development, premature birth, congenital malformation, Lamarckian atrophy, Lamarckian hypertrophy, and transmutation, of which he thought transmutation was the least likely. What the far out? Historians of science, Evelyn Richard, has argued iron was likely sympathetic to developmental theories of evolution, but backed away from publicly proclaiming them after the critical reaction he had that he greeted the enormously published book of Vestiges of Natural History. So it's interesting that these vestiges, which was transmutation, caused Darwin to be quiet and Owen to be more stern. It was revealed only decades later that the book had been authored by Robert Chambers. Owen had been criticised for his own evolutionary remarks 
uh, in his nature of limbs. <laughs> what are you reading there, mate? Ah, uh, reading a book of nature of limbs, and you would not believe that he was actually looking at the nature of limbs. At the end um, of On the Nature of Limbs, I suggest that humans ultimately evolved from fish as a result of natural laws, which resulted in his and being criticised by the Manchester Spectator for denying that species such as humans were created by God. During the development of the Darwin's theory, his investigations of barnacles showed, and these are barnacles with enormous dicks, amazing, showed in 1849 how their segmentation uh, um, related to other crustaceans and showing how they had diverged from the relatives. To both Darwin and such homologies uh, in comparative anatomy were evidence of descent. Owen demonstrated fossil evidence of evolutionary sequence of a horse as supporting his idea of the development of archetypes in ordained continuous becoming, and in 1854 gave a British association talk on the possibility of bastille, bestial apes, such as recently discovered gorilla standing erect and, and being transmitted into men, but Owen did not rule out the possibility that humans had evolved from other extinct animals by evolutionary mechanisms and other transformations. Working class militants were trumpeting man's monkey's origins. To crush these ideas, Owen, as president-elect of the Royal Association, announced his authoritative anthropological studies of primate brains, claiming that human brains had structures that did not, and therefore humans were a separate subclass starting the dispute that was subsequently satirised as the great Hippocampus question. Owen's main argument was that humans have much larger brains uh, than their body size uh, than other animals, including great apes. Darwin wrote, I cannot swallow man being that. Distinct from a chimpanzee. The comparative, in, in, in a certain sense, that if... Thomas Huxley created a conflict which which he needed to substantiate himself. It's pretty amazing. Used his March 1858 Royal Institution Lecture to deny Owen's claim and affirm that structurally gorillas are as close to humans as they are to baboons. Imagine listening as close to humans as they are to baboons. He believed that the mental and moral facilities are essentially the same kind of animal and ourselves. This was a clear denial of Owen's claim that humans' uniqueness gave rise to the same venue. So, Owen, not said God did it, Owen said, look, here's huge evidence for evolution. Here are the four sequences of evolution. And furthermore, I just can't take it that man evolved from apes. On the publications of Darwin's theory, The Origin of the Species, he sent a complimentary copy to Owen saying, It will seem an abomination. Owen was the first to respond, courteously claiming that he had long believed that existing influences were responsible for the ordained birth of species. So this is like Kilvay said, God comes in, and now species is God's work. And Darwin now had long talks with him and Owen and said that the book offered the best explanation ever published in the matter of formation of species, though he still had the greatest doubts about the transmutation of um, be, be steel man. Um, it's 
uh, it appears that Darwin had assured Owen that he was looking at everything as resulting from designed laws, which Owen interpreted as showing a shared belief in creative power. And this divine law is, this idea is a very, um, from Schopenhauer, the, the force, the will, and it comes out in Nazism, you know, I have the power of the state, the will of the state must prevail. It's a bizarre idea. As head of the Natural History Collection of the British Museum, Owen received numerous inquiries and complaints about the origin. His own views remained unknown. When emphasising to the Parliamentary Committee the need for a new Natural History Museum, he pointed out that the whole intellectual world this year has been excited by a book on the origin of species. Uh, and what is the consequence? Visitors come to the British Museum and they say, let us see the varieties of pigeons. Uh, where is the tumbler? Where is the powder? Uh, I am obliged uh, with shame to say I cannot show you none of them. I can show you none of them. As to showing you the varieties of species or those uh, or of any other phenomena that would aid in getting the mystery uh, to that mystery of mysteries, the origin of species. Our space does not permit but surely there ought to be a space somewhere, and if not at the British Museum, where is it to be obtained? However, Huxley's attacks were making their mark on April 1860, so it's really like a sporting event. The Edinburgh Review included Owen's anonymous review of the origin. In it, Owen showed his anger at what was he saw Darwin's caricature of the creationist position and his ignoring Owen's axiom of continuous operation of ordained becoming of living things, as well as attacking Darwin's disciples, Hooker and Huxley, for their short-sighted adherence. He thought that the book symbolised a sort of abuse of science to which the neighbouring nation, some 70 years since, owed its temporary degradation. Oh, the French Revolution. Reference to the French Revolution. Darwin saw it as a spiteful, extremely malignant, clever and damaging. And later commented, the Londoners say that he is mad with envy because my book is so talked about. It is painful to be hated in the intense degree with which Owen hates me. I think we're beginning to see that it's a, um, it's sort of, it's sort of like news of the world, um, take five. It's, it's sort of like um, scientific history on the shopping centre, scandal, pregnant. The Prince Charles is pregnant in the year, you know, something like that. And it's 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 in order to buy popular magazines. They've they've created this. During the reaction to Darwin's theory, Huxley's arguments uh, with Owens continued. Owen tried to smear Huxley by portraying him as an advocate of a man's origins from the transmuted ape, and one of his contributions to the Athenaeum was titled. Ape origin of man as tested by the brain. In 1862, and on other occasions, Huxley took the opportunity to arrange demonstration of ape brain anatomy, e.g. BA meeting, British Advancement of Science meeting, where William Fowler performed the dissection. Visual evidence was supposedly missing structure. Postura cuna and the hippoclinus mana was used. In effect, um, to um, these um, to indict Owen for perjury. Owen had argued that the absence of those structures in apes were connected uh, with the lesser size to which the ape brains grew. 
but he then considered that a poorly developed version might be construed as present without preventing uh, him from arguing that the brain size was still the major way of distinguishing ape from humans. Huxley's campaign ran over two years and was devastatingly successful in persuading the overall scientific community with uh, each slaying being followed by recruiting and drive for Darwin's cause. Despite Lincoln, while Owen had argued that humans were distinct from apes by virtue of having larger brains, Huxley claimed that racial diversity blurred such distinction. In this paper, and so, so Owen really, uh, Huxley really suits the Nazis. Um, Owen said, began to say that it's a big racial division. Um, Okay. Huxley claimed that racial diversity blurred any such distinction. In the paper, Owen and Huxley states, quote, um, If we place A, the European brain B, and the Bacchero brain C, and the Ragtown brain C in series, V, sounds awful. The difference between A and B, so far as they have been ascertained, are the same nature as the chief of those between B and C. Owen countered Huxley by saying the brains of all human races were really of similar size and intellectual ability, and the fact that humans had brains that were the size of large apes like male gorillas, even though humans had much smaller bodies, made humans distinguishable. While Huxley joined the Zoological Council in 1861, Owen left, and in the following year Huxley moved to stop Owen from being elected to the Royal Society Council, accusing him of willful, deliberate falsehood. So, Huxley is, besides genius, is also an asshole. In January 1863, um, Owen brought the astrophysics fossil for the Mu British Museum. It fulfilled Darwin's prediction that proto-birds uh, with unfused wings feathers would be found, although Owen described unequivocally as a bird. The feuding between Owen and Darwin's supporters continued. In 1871, Owen was found to be involved uh, in a threat to end the government funding to Joseph Dalton Hooker's botanical collection at Kew, possibly trying to bring it under his British Museum. Darwin commented that, I used to be ashamed of hating him so much, but now I will carefully cherish my hatred and contempt for the last days of my life. What an absolute ridiculous world. None of them, none of them, you know, and I is, you know, ha how do you be good when the people are so bad? That's uh, episode one to an end. another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.